Hi, this is Rob Reiner from the band Anvil, and you're listening to the Heavy Metal Combat Podcast. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, bam. Oh, well, all right, it is I, Dr. Fuck from Counting Crows, and with me this week is... Oh, yeah! Ian Wadley from Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, 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 oh God. You oh, suck. Good. You suck more than my band, and believe me, my band sucks. Counting Crows? Ugh. Holy fuck. Hey, here. <clears throat> People think I'm kidding, but check it out, Ian. Ready? Ready. Mr. Jones, let me see. It's me, dude. I'm that dude from Counting Crows. <laughs> I noticed you got the same hair, same dreads. No, dude, come on. That's that's some guy that they hired to say. It's kind of like CMC Music Factory. Oh. Sweet. They got a really good-looking dread-looking guy to you know to to outlook me because you know I'm kind of like straight-haired and 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 fancy pants-looking. See, I, I think it's the same thing with Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, there, there's no black man with that little of soul. Yeah, exactly. That, that's got to be a honky singing that shit. Exactly. And sexy as fuck, that black guy. Uh, yummy. Oh, yeah. So what's up, dude? Hey, we got some iTunes reviews today. I got a review that people have been waiting to hear. The ACDC with Axl Rose, which I'll talk about after uh, the iTunes review. That's right. And uh, our first iTunes review this week is from... Where are we at now? Here, this Mr. one's from... Mr. Jones left us an iTunes review. See, it's like, it's like somebody turned on the radio, right? In 1994. Wow. Yikes. All right, this is a five-star review from Gypsy Eyes 86. Oh, my God. That's fucking Jimi Hendrix, bro. Nice. It's a five-star review entitled The Page and Plant of Podcasts. Woo! Page and Plant. Dude, that's like you and I are kind of like Led Zeppelin. And like Ter- right. Terrence is like uh, John Bonham, yet we continued after he died. <laughs> Terrence is like Jason Bonham. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Gypsy Eyes 86 says, and I quote, Great podcast by two funny and talented characters. Wow, talented, he said. Yeah. Always <laughs> awesome. keeps me laughing while they talk about nonsense. Great <laughs> great chemistry between Ian and Ralph. Huge fan. Must listen if you love metal slash hard rock. They keep it real. That guy Terrence annoyed the shit out of me. Thank, <laughs> thank God he's gone. <laughs> oh, he really said that? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think Gypsy Eyes is Terrence's dad. <laughs> Ouch. But uh Gypsy Eyes 86, thank you. Very very nice review. Awesome uh, song off Electric Ladyland. As awesome as his review. As awesome as him. As awesome as his parents. Awesome, awesome. Good job, Gypsy Eyes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh our next review is a redo of a review we read the previously previous week, so I'm not gonna quote it verbatim, but uh but uh this is the one from Cappy's from last week, and uh, remember I made the joke about how he referred to that metal station as that metal show. Oh, well, yeah, he, yeah, that guy. He, he rewrote his review and capitalized station 
And then he also added his name. And it turns out this is the Muzzy guy that initially you thought was a troll that we found out isn't a troll. Did we really find out he isn't a troll? Well, I mean, he's got... I guess, I guess we're just speculating. Just like we speculated that he was a troll, we're like <laughs> speculating he isn't a troll. I'm on the fence with Muzzy. <laughs> he does come on my radio show. And I come on his mom. So, hey, you know. Oh! Ouch. All right, but but uh, Muzzy, basically, it's the same review. And we read it last week. But thank you. And uh, I'm sure Scott Green appreciates uh, it being called that metal station. Yeah, Muzzy, uh, you know, I'm just playing with you. Kind of, sort of. <laughs> All right. Well, our last review. And uh, this is a really nice one from... Uh, Somebody, he, he just wrote on the podcast page saying that he's going away to college. And uh, he, he said he won't be able to be on the on Facebook as much as he used to be, you know, because of his studies. But he said he will still listen every, uh, Look, you know, every Sunday. I'm sorry. I got I to gotta interrupt. Okay. Dude, what are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing with your life? Fuck college. Fuck all that bullshit. Get your ass back on Facebook, take up marijuana, your parents' money, or hey, if your parents have no money, go out there and panhandle or rob. Fuck education, bro. Be metal, be rock and roll. What the fuck is rock and roll about being responsible and getting a college education? You need drugs, illegal drugs. God, man. We're losing everybody to this stupid education thing, Ian. <laughs> we don't need no education. Nah, no, man. We all, all we need is the fucking... We don't need to finish our meat, either. <laughs> Fuck pudding. <laughs> you can't have your pudding if you don't eat your meat. Yeah, and I trust the government. Fuck you, Mom. Yeah, and I dropped out of community college, and look how I turned out. I'm on the best podcast in the world. That's right. I didn't even go to college. There you go. I took up a life of drugs, hookers, and uh, crack cocaine. And look at me now. I'm fucking horrible. But it's awesome. God, I hate all this positive, oh, I want to like, live in a nice house. I want to fuck that mooch off people. Steal. You see an old lady walking down the street, hit her over the head. Take that fucking purse. That's rock and roll. Or just, or just claim disability, even though you could actually get a job if you wanted to. Hey, free drugs, too. <laughs> you can get disability, that, that, that fucking government drugs. But, Ralph, you might change your opinion when you hear this beautiful review. Yeah, but no, 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 no. Here's the thing. Yeah, this is a beautiful review. But then this fucker's going to college, and that's it. No more reviews from this guy. Thanks, dude. You're turning your back on fucking us and drugs. All right. Well, I want to thank Ben Pettit, I believe is how you pronounce his name. And it is a five-star review entitled Phenomenal Podcast. And Ben says, and I quote, On the surface, the Rock and Metal Combat podcast may not look like a whole lot. It's essentially two dudes, or more depending on the episode, discussing albums, rock music in general, while cracking many a joke. However... Once you start listening with an attentive ear, you will discover that this show is a gem to behold. Ralph Vieira and Ian Wadley, our two main hosts, have exceptional chemistry. 
Their guest hosts are also very entertaining, as evident on the side-splitting episode covering Use Your Illusions 2. The reviews cover albums track by track, which allows these guys to give in-depth, always fascinating commentary on the music they genuinely care about. Ralph and Ian know their stuff, and even if airs are occasionally said, it never detracts from the quality of the show. In conclusion, the Rock and Metal Combat podcast is best summed up in two words, life-affirming. In any given episode, Ralph, Ian, and the rest of the RMCP crew are never afraid to offer subtle lessons in self-empowerment and self-confidence. And that is what makes the podcast so phenomenal. It's honest, it's laugh-out-loud hilarious, hilarious, it's thorough, but best of all, it's human. Five stars, and kudos for the mind-blowing discussion that accompanied Shotgun Blues. Biggity-bam! <laughs> I gotta listen to that one again. I can't remember what we said about Shot. I remember I was kind of like on the fence, and you no, liked it, and... Uh, uh, well, that uh, is the infamous... Beep. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, hey, thanks, dude. And by the way, rest in peace. You're, you're going to end up hating us. Once they, they, <laughs> they give you that stupid education and you actually become, like, a better person. Ugh. And, you know, seriously, you are going to become better. I mean, but, dude, and then he's going to realize, he's going to stop listening to us, and then he's going to figure out what we were beeping, and it's all over. <laughs> That shit don't float where I come from. He will be offended. <laughs> now, well, thanks, ben, now, I'll joke inside. Thank you, and uh, best of luck with your college thing. But, dude, do me a favor. At least do not give up the drugs. Yeah, or or at least start doing drugs. Exactly. Yeah, start doing drugs, yeah. It makes college much more colorful. All righty. Well, uh, now there's so many people that listen to this show that are desperately awaiting your review. I, I noticed you were very coy on Facebook, saving it for this, and, and that, that's cool. But now you are going to give your full review, your full opinion of Axel DC. Alright, here we go. And you know, I know a lot of people are like, they think I'm a little biased, because I've been pro-Axel all this time. And, and, uh, and everybody, well, you know, his review is going to be good, because, you know, He's, you know, he's a pro-Axel guy. Well, okay. I got to tell you right now. Number one, I've seen every ACDC tour since For Those About to Rock. This was by far the best one. Well, no, I wouldn't say by far. But it was the best time I ever saw ACDC. For not only the performance, it was my favorite performance ever. Uh, but also the set list. Which I would like to read you now the set list, Ian. Mm -hmm. And I quote, that's my impression of you. Sweet. Uh, rock or bust. Shoot the thrill. Hell ain't a bad place to be. Back in black. Rock and roll thunder. Dirty deeds. Rock and roll damnation. Thunderstruck. High voltage. Rock and roll train. Hell's bells. Giving the dog a bone. If you want blood, you got it. Live wire. Sin City. You shook me all night long. Shot down in flames. Have a drink on me. TNT. Whole lot of Rosie. Let there be rock. Then the encore. Okay, this was mind blowing. The encore, heaven and highway to hell. Okay, that you would expect. Of course, they gotta play highway to hell. But then after that, I'm thinking, all right, for those about to rock, no, they did riffraff. I was like, whoa, so late in the list, set list, really? 
And then for those about to rock. Two hours and 20 minutes long this fucking show was. So, 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 let me get this straight. They didn't play one song off of Love Your Video. Or Flying a Wall, or Flick of the Switch. Or Stiff Upper Lip, or... Ball Breaker? Ball Breaker. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. That, I tell you what, that is a fucking amazing set list. That, mm-hmm. that, that, yeah. That, that's one reason, when, when this tour was initially announced, when we were reviewing the Rocker Bust, um, I, I said that's why I wasn't going to travel for it, because they were kind of, it was notorious with ACDC, much like, you know, the later, the Black Sabbath uh, reunion shows with Ozzy, that you were getting the same set list pretty much over and over. Now, right. that's a set list that is so, you know, split up between, you know, the Bond and the Brian era. Uh, I don't think anybody could bitch about that set list. That's, that's, really, that's really good. Three songs off Power Rage. Uh, I met two, two, our, two of our listeners. Well, one of our listeners, and Brian now is our listener. Uh, Brian discovered... I, I talked to Brian. Brian told me... Brian Schaefer, right? That's his last name? Right. Brian Schaefer said the way he discovered me was he was stuck in a snowstorm. And he saw one Black Sabbath review, and then he watched them all, and he became... You know, um, uh, he became a fan of my of my YouTube work, and then you know, now he loves the podcast. The great Stephen Kirsch, who I met his daughter, his daughter's first show. As I understand, his the, the ticket was for his older daughter, but she was feeling under the weather, so he took you know his other little daughter, cute little girl, and I was like, that's awesome. You know, she had a little Kiss Destroyer shirt on, and I'm like. You know what, dude? What a great dad because you're bringing your little girl to come see ACDC. I mean, a first concert. So, uh, as as uh, you may know, Ian, I think I already told you this. I bought my ticket way back when Brian Johnson was in the band. And I got, I'll show you a picture to prove it because I understand tickets for this show are insane. But I, it cost me 130 bucks. Now, I knew I had floor seats. But I didn't realize how close my floor seat was. Because when I got there, I said, oh, let me let me go check out um, my seat. Dude, my seat was right. I mean, it was the last seat on the row that's right at the very end of the walkway. So I'm like right there on the walkway. I mean, I'm right there. So I'm like, holy shit, I'm super close. You know? And, um, but... What made it even cooler was after a while, I noticed all these people all the way up front, like, you know, ain't in their seats. So I ended up enjoying most of the show, like, almost front row, all the way up there. Wow. Yeah, dude. So I had front row seats. All right. First off, I want to talk about the opening band. Do you know their name, Ian? Do you even know about it? Uh, uh, the Tyler Bryant band or something? And the Shakedowns or whatever. Uh, yeah, I believe, uh, Brad Whitford's son is in yes, that band. Yes, I found that out today. I didn't realize that. Hey, man, they were great. They were, I mean, an awesome, awesome opening act for ACDC. They had the right attitude. They had the right killer hard rock. Little bluesy at times. And you know me, dude. I'm like, you know, I'm very particular when it comes to the bluesy shit. Now, I don't want to really discuss this person because uh, let's just I, I let's let's just say I wanted to enjoy some of the show. This person offered to film for me. 
where I filmed some and she filmed some. But when I looked at her footage, the bitch is good. I mean, she knows how to film. I should have let her film the whole fucking thing. Because some parts while I was filming was jittery because I got so into it. And you, there's some parts you don't even see the band because I'm jamming too much, you know? All right, so song one, Rocker Bus. Eh, I mean, I love the album, but I, I, I'm not a big fan of that song. It's okay. Uh, it's whatever, you know? But, you know, the place is going wild. It's cool. Cool stage show and bombs. and Then Shoot the Thrill and that fucking rule with Axel's hitting those notes. Uh, Angus doing the duck walk down the fucking the walkway and right in front of us. I'm like, fuck yeah. Everybody's going apeshit. Every time Angus comes down that walkway, the whole place gathers and starts taking pictures of him. It's all on. Um, then, um, uh, what they do? Hell ain't a bad place to be and Axel is like total bond. And that's, I, I believe that's the song where Axel first walked down the walkway. And he spotted me filming him. Okay? And he looks right at me. And I'm like, uh-oh. And he smiles and he gives me a thumbs up. I can All I can think of is, why did he do that? Because I was wearing a Malcolm Young shirt. Maybe it was because of that. Uh, really? Uh, I think it's because he listens to the podcast. So, But he's a friend of yours, not me. Remember, uh, remember, not if you listen to those episodes. Remember, remember only dicks like you. <laughs> only the cool people like me. Only the dicks think I'm mean to you. People don't see it's a fucking act because, after all, they're stupid as fuck. And I want to fuck their moms because they're dumb. All right, but, um, hey. Uh, all right, here's what I got to say about Axel Rose that I did not notice before. And I noticed this last night, and it. To me, it's probably the most impressive thing Axl Rose has ever done, period. Period. Axl Rose last night did not hog the spotlight. He had his place. Last night was the Angus Young show. He looked honored, humble. He was rocking. He was, you know, doing his little kicks and shit. He was into it. But he wasn't... He walked down that walkway like twice. Where Angus was doing it constantly and i gotta tell you the, to me the most impressive thing last night was the energy angus had, angus young had I, he he was so fucking all over the goddamn place like he was back in the early days maybe a bit slower but still the energy that fucking guy has is is just phenomenal and his guitar playing last night was so spot on it was scary and plus, another thing, I, I've seen ACDC up close uh, on, uh, on Fly on the Wall. But every other show I saw it far, or farther, or close to the side, I was never front row. You know, and last night I, I saw it right there, and it, it was a mind-blowing show. It's Cliff Williams and Stevie are so down. I was impressed by the bald guy, which I'm not even a bet fan of his. Chris he was, Slade. Chris Slade was great. What, what, what about the chick keyboard player? Chick keyboard player. Oh, wait a minute. That's Guns N' Roses. Yeah, that's right. She was there, though. She actually was there. Oh, okay. Cool. And, uh, 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 you know, and uh, one of our our buddies, I'm not going to mention his name, uh, it, uh, who's actually a Scab Kiss supporter, uh, said, uh, made a little 
snide comments for me going, yeah, yeah, scab ACDC. And then I said, get ready for this one, Ian. Ready? I go. Yeah. Well, at least Angus doesn't make fucking Axel wear a taxi driver cap. <laughs> Thank Good you. Good call. Good yeah, call. that's right. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Bond, father. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, um, uh, what do you call, uh, yeah, dude. And then, you know, Rock and Roll Damnation, I'll tell you the most impressive thing Axel to me did was during High Voltage. You know in High Voltage where D- Bond does that ridiculous scream like, wow, High Voltage. Axel did it. And... This part gave me chills. Axel said, Axel didn't really, dude, between songs, he would say shit like, yeah, hey, like really, like with a soft tone. Yeah, hey, y'all doing? Yeah, hey, I'm really honored to be here. Thanks for being here tonight. You know, he was like very, like, you know, it wasn't Axel Rose. It was just some guy that was being, you know, he, he actually thanked people for being there. He was very humble, you know, smiling a lot, really into it. But, dude, the part that gave me chills is when he said, and also every time Axel talked was in the dark. There was no spotlight on him when he was talking, because he would talk in between songs. It was dark, and he would just be, all you hear was his voice. You couldn't see him. But toward the end, he goes, "This next song is about the church of Bon Scott," and they went right into "Let There Be Rock." So fucking amazing, dude! It was like yes, you know, and. Uh, Holy fuck, dude. I mean, I got to tell you, just the energy level. The whole fucking place was lit up with those little shiny horns. I bought a pair. Right. Uh, the whole place. I mean, there's part of the show in between songs where I would circle the arena. And it was like the whole place was just lighting up. Because everybody bought one of those things. I bought a tie. It's an ACDC tie that has, it says, uh, the logo ACDC has little cannons on it. Well, the album cover of, for Love About the Rock. 15 bucks. Come on, dude. That's fucking awesome. How much were the horns? 15 bucks. Not bad. Not bad. And I bought a shirt that was a specialty shirt. The front's really cool. It shows Angus with a bunch of uh, lightning hitting them and it says Thunderstruck. But the back, it said live in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, BTT Center. It even had the picture of the BTT Center. 30 bucks, dude. Come on. Wow. That's all, because there's so many bands. Yeah, man. 50. Yeah. But oh, yeah. in the band's defense, it's because these fucking arenas gouge them. You know, and in order right. to make a profit, because the arenas want like 20 bucks a shirt. So they got to sell it like 20 bucks to make a profit. For ACDC. Right. All right, now, granted, ACDC had like these jackets for 100 bucks and $50 shirts that were, you know, that, that had little things on it. But right. regular shirts, which there was a bunch of them, were 30 bucks and i was like that's that's great no that that is amazing for the fans too because that's just showing you that hey we're not trying to get over because you know a band like acdc when they go on tour they're selling that bitch out anyway yeah so you know they don't have to worry about it you know where you know you get anything with kiss on it you're going to be paying like 70 bucks and shit yeah 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 exactly so yeah okay some point uh but um yeah, dude, I got to tell you, man. And I knew walking into it, I said, this is going to roll. And uh, I, I knew my friend was going to change his uh, mind on Axl Rose. I knew everybody was. And I also love all the people that were like, oh, I, I refunded my ticket. I was like, jackass. 
every ticket that was refunded, there was three, four people just waiting to scoop that fucker up. And yeah, I, I'm not, I don't know if the place was sold out. Well, as I looked around, I saw no empty seats. None at all. And outside, there were people. You got tickets? You got tickets? So it might have been sold out. I don't know. I didn't really look into it, but it goddamn looked to have sold out. And it was a fucking Tuesday night, okay? And uh, holy fuck, dude. All I can say, and Axel, like, hit every note. Like, you know, I'm seeing them do giving a dog a bone. And, uh, you know, and uh, have a drink on me. And um, <clears throat> if you want blood, you got it. I've never seen them play that, you know? I've never seen them play uh, Rock and Roll Damnation. I saw High Voltage on the Blow Up Your Video Tour, actually. They did throw they did throw that one out. You ever see them play Who Made Who? No, because they did play that live, but you know that's the only tour that didn't come to Florida, where it was basically the Fly in the Wall tour. They just added Who Made Who to the set list. Now, I would have loved to hear that song, or I love the, the, the two instrumentals. Like, I would have loved to see see that start out of solo like play dt or chase the ace right because uh, i love those man i absolutely love them, but i i never see those getting played ever i don't know if the instrumentals were played but who made who was played live because and when they played it live just like the video they had like a bunch of people on stage in angus outfits with cardboard guitars doing the angus oh, nice. they played that live i have a little small clip of it they did a tour it was a small run and I've never missed ACDC, so I would have seen them before. I, I don't think that, I saw them on Razor's Edge and Ball Breaker, and I don't uh, think they did. They no, did, they on did no, no, no. Who made who was only on that Who Made Who tour. That was right. it. It was never played after after that. So. Ah. So yeah, I've never seen them play Who Made Who, but uh, you know, uh, I saw them play Nick of Time. I mean, that's rare. Oh wow! Of course, on that tour. Yeah, I was gonna say. I'm sure <laughs> I'm gonna make it. Pass the blow up your video tour. Yeah, they actually played uh, Nick of Time and then the two singles. You know, that was it. Well, just like you know, you don't, uh, you know, you don't see him play anything off of you know some of the other later albums. I was surprised it played that uh, rock and roll train. Yeah, song. which I'm not a big fan of that. I, I'm not. That, tell you the truth, that's why I didn't buy that album because I, I heard that song and thought it was terrible. I like the very commercial tune off that album. Anything goes. It's super commercial. I don't think I've ever listened to that album. Yeah, you probably won't like it. It's so commercial, though. It's like, and I love that yeah. song. It's so catchy. But the the okay, the only complaints I have, but it's really peanuts. Was you know they played Rocker Bust and uh, and uh, Rock and Roll Thunder, uh, where you know how I feel about that album. And right. I, Rock and Roll Thunder wasn't one of the songs I liked. And like you know, Rock the House and you know, uh, Rock the Blues Away. Right. And a few other songs that I really love off that album, I would have rather seen instead of Rock and Roll Thunder. Rocker Bus is okay. You know, it's a good song to warm up to. And also, it is the Rocker Bus tour. So. Right, right. And, and, and I mean, let, let's be honest, man. Uh, nobody was going to that fucking show to hear anything, you know, past 1982. Yeah, Rock and Roll Thunder was pretty much the, you know. The beer song? Yeah, and you know what, dude? And like rock, uh, rock and roll, damnation, dude. That song is very obscure for like the "You Shook Me All Night Long" crowd, and the place was rocking, dude. Because it's such an infectious song that even if you don't know it, you're gonna tap your fucking feet. You know, I, and you know, I could think of a million songs that I wish they would have pulled out. But overall, you really can't complain about that. As much as I'd like to hear something like 
squealer. Or, you ain't got a hold of me. Yeah, or, you know, jailbreak or something like that. You know, you really can't complain. Well, about jailbreak, jailbreak was a mainstay on the on the set list for many, many years. Right, but, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of other shit that, that wasn't on this particular set list. But there are so many other gems. Uh, Sin City. They you did. Know, they oh, played it. Yeah, right, right. No, I'm just saying. Uh, you know, how can you bitch when you hear Sin City? Sin you know? City, Riff Raff, and Rock and Roll Damnation. Three Power Age tunes. Three, dude. You're, you're lucky if you get one. Right. You know, we got three last night, and that is my favorite ACDC album. You know? uh, right. and, and, you know, and then we got Shot Down in Flames, which is a fucking gem song. If you want blood, you got three from Highway to Hell. You know, you got, uh, what, two from... You got a good... Uh, section of Bon Scott material last night. It was now, a great now, mix, you know. Now, what did you think? Uh, what did you think of Shot Down in Flames? Because I know you didn't like what you originally saw when when they did it. You saw the footage and you said you didn't like how they did it. What did you think about it at your show? What I, I said that I, I didn't like how Axel did it. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, it wasn't Shot Down in Flames. It was uh, touch too much. Yeah, yeah. Did they play that last oh, night? No, they didn't. They didn't. Oh, okay. And I didn't like it. I didn't like the footage I saw. I bet you if they would have played it last night, I probably would have loved it, you know? Because right. it is my favorite ACDC song. <clears throat> it's not that I hated the version, but when I saw them play it with Axel on YouTube, I thought to myself, ah, no wonder they never played this live with Bob. Because that's that's a big myth. A lot of people don't realize that song was never played live with Bond. There is footage of them playing on a TV show where Bond is lip syncing it. Right. And they made a video for it, but they actually never played it live. And the show ran long. And there's another thing. I don't know what the fuck was up to that, but you know, the BTT Center, as far as I know, has a curfew. And yep. the most show, of those places do have an 11 o'clock curfew. The show ended at 11.20. Wow. You know, they went on two hours and 20 minutes, dude. Two now, the, the only thing I can think of there is if ACDC paid for that, because I believe that's what it, if it's not pre-arranged that you will pay because anything after 11 because it's all union work that they're on overtime now if they approved and paid for that uh then it, then it could be okay but other than that i think that's always the big thing because bands have to approve to pay that extra money yeah. and acdc can't afford it you know yeah and and we know and we knew beforehand i mean uh my friend david scott said they go on at nine he knew this, and, and he was right. They went on right at nine, and uh, holy fuck! And the stage show, dude. The oh, okay. This was kind of disappointing, but I think maybe because it may have been sued through the years. But the cannons were not that loud, and but I noticed like in later years it wasn't as the '80s, dude. The cannons were fucking insane. Where I, I would I would be deaf for like a a week because they were. These cannons weren't even as impressive looking as the old school cannons. Because the old school cannons look like the album cover. Right. This was a little more thin. Still cool as fuck. Still blowing up and shit. But um, but it wasn't as bombastic. It wasn't as boom, you know? But uh, And there was no striptease, which I welcome. Because the striptease to me took way too long. You know, with the little riff and Angus pouncing around just to moon us. It's like, right. how many times have I watched? So that was... And, and and the amount of time for him to do a striptease, you can fit a couple songs. And remember, back in the day, in the 80s, uh, ACDC did 90-minute sets. And right. like 10 of those minutes was his striptease during Bad uh, Boy Boogie, usually. Uh, 
Now, how how would you say uh, Cliff Williams' performance was? Was it did he seem into it, or was it did he seem going through the motions? Cliff Williams seemed to me like I'm savoring every fucking moment of this because I know it's good, a good, good. I, yeah, he was he was Cliff Williams, you know, and he was yeah, dude. And I was on his side actually. I right. saw, I was like on his side all night, and uh, yeah, I just love the whole the whole thing how him and used to be Malcolm, now it's Stevie, how they just stay in the back and they both walk up at the same time when it's time to do some backing vocals and they go to the back. But, you know, I mean, it was it was Cliff Williams, dude. Right, well, that, that's good. I mean, because he's always been like, say, maybe a slightly more animated Ian Hill, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 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 you know, just given the recent, you know, the, the announcing that this is it for him, he's done, you know, I was really, you know, worried, like, you know... It, is, is it going to be mailed in, you know, or is he going to savor it? And I'm glad, you know, it was the latter. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it, the whole band was, you know, and Stevie Young was great, doing his little rhythm, you know, like, uh, that, 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 what song is that? Uh, if I You Want Blood. Yeah, yeah, that. He did, you know, that's Malcolm Young. That's not Angus, you know. And he did that, and it, the way he played, it looks like he's playing Malcolm's guitar. I think it is. Nice. And he's solid, man. He's he. I saw the blow up your video tour in the nosebleeds where he was in the band. Dude, back then you couldn't tell it was if it, it, he looked exactly like Malcolm back then. You know, right. now he's got he got thinner hair, you know, but and much older looking. But back then, but he sounded exactly like fucking uh, Malcolm. He's he's tight, dude. The band's tight. Yes, it's not ACDC. It's only Angus Young left from the original lineup. And Cliff Williams from the, you know, the, the golden, you know. Power yeah, the, cla- the classic lineup. Yeah. yeah, yeah, from there on out. I honestly think, and, and Angus Young recently in an interview hinted that this may be it. Right. Now, if it is, then, dude, what a way to go for me, man. You left with the best show i ever seen. And I've never seen ACDC do a bad show. Ever. You know, yes, Brian Johnson is hurting vocal department. But still, it was still very passable because the band is rocking and they're just an amazing fucking band. But I gotta say, last night was the best time I ever saw them. The energy, the crowd energy, the energy they had on stage, the way that Axel reserved himself but yet belted out songs. Even my friend, my other friend, Greg, that hates Axel Rose, was telling me, dude, the guy was pure class last night and he was singing. Like, he was really into it. I go, I know, I, I told you. You know, he, he, Axl Rose looks a little, to me, a little awestruck that he's up there with ACDC at times. There's times I saw him just, he wouldn't leave the stage. He'd stand there and watch Angus. You know, when when usually, you know, uh, you know him, he runs to change his wardrobe while Slash right. takes a 20-minute solo. He stayed on stage and just stared at Angus. Because he, he looked like he was savoring it too, like, you know, who knows how long this is going to last, you know. And, but it would be beautiful. It would be beautiful if uh, they'd make an, another album with Axel, but I highly doubt that'll happen. Yeah, no, I, I hope for it too, but I doubt it. And then it's like, then who do you get to play bass? And Yeah, you know, exactly, yeah. It just gets more and more diluted. And uh, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. This this was a good way to go. I mean, the Given the situation, it's the best way to go out. 
they they needed they needed somebody with star caliber like Axel Rose and and hey I'm one of those Axel haters too but more of like old Axel by all accounts on this last Guns N' Roses tour that prima donna shit you know wasn't there it was a perfect attendance he always went on stage uh, yeah. on time and he threw no temper tantrum at all right and and, that, and that's great I mean just you know I've never questioned Axel's talent you know it's just he just always really came off like a dick, you know, like a spoiled little brat. And uh, and that seems to be gone. You know, well, and, I, and that's I, awesome. I have a theory, and which should tell everybody it is the right thing. Stop being so fucking anti-drugs. Pills and wine. I think that's doing Axel a fucking... A fucking don't go to college. Drink pills. Have pills. Oxycodone. <laughs> Shit, you know, that, that, that fucks you up. And wine, you're going to be happy, man. So I think that's what's going on with Axel. He's a, he's a pill popper now. Ah, okay. So that's right. the review. Uh, solid fucking show. And uh, I'm a Crocus fan, but fuck that shit. I would hate <laughs> to see Mark up there. That would suck. Seriously. <laughs> that guy is old. And he couldn't do what Axel did. I don't think a lot of people can do what Axel did. Especially... You know, like, the dude from Jackal? Are you serious? I saw people saying him. Yeah, people were saying, dude, I just saw Jackal open for Ted Nugent. Which, by the way, I didn't think they were terrible. They were all right. They were fun. You know, but I wasn't like, oh, let me go get a Jackal shirt. Oh, I, <laughs> oh, I got to look into their albums. Mr. Rex, give me their things like I did with, uh, what was that band from New Orleans I liked? Uh, oh, oh Lillian Axe. Yeah, Lillian Axe, yep. Yeah, I saw Lillian Axe and I called Mr. X. Dude, you gotta hook me up with Lillian Axe. They kicked out. Jackal didn't do it for me. Though, I gotta admit, they were okay. I saw them open for Ted Nugent. But, dude, over Axel. But you see, people are just biased, man. People, nah, we gotta get this guy or the guy from uh, uh, Stone Roses. Uh, 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 no, uh... Angry Samoans. Angry Anderson, right? Yeah, Angry Anderson, yeah. Uh, which, uh, actually, that I wouldn't. From, from, from Rose Tattoo. Yeah, that I wouldn't actually, like, that would only, uh, that's the only other candidate. But I don't know how good he is now. That guy's old as fuck, too. Yeah, no, no, that is, I, and I love uh, uh, Angry Anderson. But, yeah, that is another thing. I mean, look at his age. I mean, Axel, I think, you know, is still, I mean, he's getting up there now, but he can still deliver. He's, uh, he's better now than he's ever been and in my opinion I said this before the show but I stick by it even more now than ever I like him way more in ACDC than Guns N' Roses way more oh yeah I, I agree I agree because it's stripped down it's stripped yeah, down and yeah it has everything that you're against uh, it, 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 it's, it gets against everything you're against because right, right, right. now Guns N' Roses all over bloated and here he is in a stripped down rock and roll right. band that never ever switched and, and the one thing I could hope for is maybe if Guns N' Roses does record some new material that, you know, some of this carries over, you know, where, where you know, you trim all this fat and the orchestras and, you know, the 20-minute the versions of November Rain, you know, and get back to some Welcome to the Jungle shit, you know, some nice boys don't play rock and roll shit, you know, and then stop this over-bloated, you know, wah-wah shit. I hope it's a good kick in the ass, man. Seems to be. That would be nice, you know. I would, yeah. I, I would welcome it as well, you know. Even though I don't, I don't mind like some of that overbloated shit. Right. But um, yeah. So yeah, what a night, dude. And I'm so glad 
it came my way. I'm so grateful for last night. Um, and uh, holy fuck, dude. I mean, you know, I I appreciated it. And, you know, I mean, and, and, the, and the whole part, Axel gave me a, a thumbs up while filming him. was pretty like, holy fuck. Maybe he does know what I'm saying about him online. Yeah, in the old in the old days, he would have jumped on your ass. Yeah, right. With, with his little fur coat and shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Last night he was just wearing jeans and t-shirt. You know, at the end he brought out like a jacket and stuff and, and a little, you know, leather hat. But still, you know, he still looked rock. You know. Awesome. Yeah. Well, awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you had a great time. I'm glad uh, you got to see Brian Schaefer and. Uh, our Hasidic hero, Stephen Kirsch. Yes. Uh, and it's awesome he brought his daughter. Much kudos. I don't care what those fuckers in Palestine say. You're a good dude. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I, I tell you, that's something... I, I don't regret not going to Guns N' Roses one second, but I, I do regret not being able to see this, uh, yeah, this amazing... Yeah, and I wanted to go see Guns N' Roses. And, and yeah. people told me it was an amazing show, but fuck it. Dude, hundred and fifty bucks for nosebleeds in a stadium? No thanks. And I have to drive three hours? No. But yeah, yeah. But to me, it's like the you know, the difference between a blow job and and, and a hand job. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm gonna take that blow job, and, and uh, I think that's what you got. I, and I think you got a blow job that made you come. <laughs> exactly. So, and uh, and another funny thing, Stephen Kirsch brought along the Combat CD and the Thrasher Die CD for me to sign. <laughs> Nice. At the show. <laughs> nice. Hey, while you're here, at hopefully no additional cost. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he, got, he, he got away from uh, not having to do the Thrasher Die Meet and Greet. Have I ever told you about the Thrasher Die Meet and Greet? We have them, actually. Dude, it's, it's, uh, and I came up with a concept. In order to meet, you get a Thrasher Die Meet and Greet. You get to meet us. You get anything signed. You get to take as many pictures as you want for 15 cents <laughs> nice that's how much i charge and 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 you know what nobody's ever paid me 15 cents yet <laughs> fucking freeloaders i would have had about 75 cents by now <laughs> nice. all right well let's get into the review shall we and this is something that uh you know as the day we're recording the news i you know i always post on wednesdays wednesdays what you know sunday's episode will be and a lot of people are like, oh my god, I can't wait to hear your opinion on this album. Well, motherfuckers, be careful what you wish for. And with that, here is our review of Countdown to Extinction. I'm sorry, I don't agree with you. Well, alright, now it's time for our review. We are going to review Megadeth's 1992 album, right? Am I right? 92, was it? Correct. 1992 album Countdown to Extinction, which uh, came up on the on the podcast page. This is why we're doing it because of a lot of people um, um, demanding it. Yeah, and, and don't let this give you a false sense of hope that if you keep bitching about an album, uh, that we're gonna do it. This is just one that surprisingly we're like, hey, yeah, fuck it, we'll do it. Yeah. Normally that shit pisses Ralph the fuck off if you keep harping. You better be able to, you know, fork up some greenbacks. That is true. I am, I'm, I am such a douchebag when it comes to shit like that. I seriously am. I can't stand it. Like, I just made a movie page, and everybody's telling me, "Hey, review this, review that." Why don't your mother come over here and suck my dick, and I'll review that. I'll review how the way your mom sucks my cock. 
you fucking prick. I don't know why something that little minute just pisses me off. But I'm not a fucking jukebox. Well, you know? I think what happens is when, when that happens, it makes it feel almost to us like it's a job and not something we want to do. And we don't get paid for this. So most of the time, we just want to do something. You know, we got to feel it one way or the other. Like, oh, this sucks so bad, we got to bash it. Or we love it so much, we got to praise it. But if we have no no vested interest, then it feels like a job. And that's what, I, you know, I feel we never want this to become. And that, yeah. that, and let me tell you something, that, like that lynch mob episode, that was a job to me. But I did it, you know, for Michael W. Fox. But I wouldn't do that ever again. I'm sorry, I'm not, like, you know, we're not going to do a band. I'm not going to ask Ian to do shit he doesn't like. And he's not going to ask me. And, you know, I know a lot of people are upset because I'm not into Tool or Faith No More or shit like that. Well, tough shit, dude. You know, I know some of you are like, ah, oh, why didn't you do it without Rob? Well, hey, hey, <laughs> fuck you, man. Hey, hey, I know another podcast that would do it if he just promised to listen. <laughs> they, they would be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, right? You yeah, could ask, you could ask for CNC Music Factory. They'd do it if you promised to listen and bring a friend. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I'm not telling you all to do this, but it's just a suggestion. Why don't you go fuck with one of the other podcasts that have Ian on so they can talk about Faith No More and Tool and shit like that. All right, so we're going to do Countdown Extinction. Um, an album that Ian really doesn't like, and I'm kind of like, I like some of it, but some of it I don't, you know? And, and I like doing that. I like to review albums where I like some of it and I don't. Because if I like some of the album, that means I've listened to it, you know, and I know it. And, uh, yeah, this one is, uh, the fr- this one was like a blatant attempt of them trying to catch up to Metallica. It's so obvious. And it was a perfect time for them to do it because this is the height of Megadeth. They never became bigger than this. Oh, yeah, they almost did it with this one, too. Yeah, but they, but the choice of singles fucked it up, but we'll get into that later. Totally destroyed the momentum of this album. But um, uh, you want to you want to start it or? Yeah, sure. Uh, I was very anxious for this record. I mean, uh, you, you know, I came on board with Megadeth with uh, Peace Cells. Uh, you know, funny, I never heard Killing's My Business, I would say, till even after this album. For whatever reason, I just never went back and got it, because I always heard it, it, it uh, I heard it sounded bad, not that it was bad, but it sounded bad, so for whatever reason, and you didn't have YouTube back then, and all this shit to go check it out, you either bought it or you didn't, you know, and there was nothing on, you know, MTV, so I had no reference to it, never checked it out, but became a fan of Peace Cells. And I, I love So Far So Good, So What? We got an episode on that. Check it out. Uh, I like it a lot more than Ralph. Uh, and I, I love Rust in Peace, man. Rust in Peace really grabbed me. And that was, you know, that was at a time when I was really coming into the whole, you know, the thrash scene, too. Uh, you know, because I was, by that point, you know, cock rock, as much as I love it, and what I call cock rock, I think people get confused. I've always said that, you know. But that scene was getting so diluted and turning into, like, you know, shit like, you know, YYZ and Nelson and stuff like that. So I was embracing the thrash a lot more. Plus, I'm just getting deeper in, into metal. And 
So I, I was eagerly awaiting this album. And when I first heard, uh, you know, the first single Symphony of Destruction, it was much like um, my experience with, with, the, with the Black Album. I was so excited for the new song. I was like, yes, yes, this is the greatest song ever. You know, but then uh, as time went on, much like the Black Album, I was all excited at first. And then just as quick as I was excited, I really lost interest. But uh, I, I saw Megadeth on this tour. I actually saw this tour before the album came out. It was uh, Pantera, Megadeth, and Skid Row. And it was about a month before this album came out. In fact, they still had the Rust in Peace the, uh, backdrop. Still had uh, Nick Menza still had his Rust in Peace drum set. Like they hadn't even got the new shit in for this album. Uh and it was, it was a good show. I mean, they sounded great. And I still, I always bitch to this day that they took video. That This was at Alpine Valley in Wisconsin. And they they filmed the Pantera pit and put it in their own video from that show. And that always irked me. Like, bitch, those people were slamming for Pantera, not you. But it was a good show. Even Skid Row was awesome. I mean, they, it really, you know, they got their asses handed to them because after fucking Pantera, Pantera owned the day. But then Megadeth, you know, was still firing on all cylinders. And then you put up Skid Row, who were a great live band, but compared to those two. But, yeah, when, when this came out, uh, yeah, I was really excited, but I was also very let down. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, yeah, because I remember uh, both High Speed Dirt and uh, Skin of My Teeth were on... Um, were on MTV like right when the album came out. So, you know, I mean, they didn't just film it and put it on MTV. That shit had to be edited and you had to edit the Pantera crowd in and all that shit, so. Right. Um, Cause I saw the very first Countdown Extinction show. It opened in Miami. It was suicidal and they didn't play High Speed Dirt. Well, I'll get into that later. Right. Um, at the time, I was friends with this guy called, and I'm not making this up. His name was actually Paul Gay. His last name was Gay. Um, I used to call him Paul Boris Gay. So it's true. He was just born that way. It's yeah. not a choice. He no, was no, born yeah. that he way. He was born gay, yeah. There you go, people. So I would call him Boris. And, you know, a lot of people, why do you call, call Paul Boris? I go, well, Paul Boris Gay. Paul B. Gay. Anyway, so uh, he was really into Megadeth, and he was an extreme Metallica hater. You know, obviously after the Black Album, you know, because he loved Metallica back then. But, you know, he's one of those gunning for Megadeth to dethrone Metallica. And, you know, I wouldn't have minded it either because I wasn't a big fan of uh, Black Album and Rust in Peace was the shit. So I was kind of like on Team Megadeth well, too at the time. It, that's not, not to cut you off, but that's something some of our younger listeners might not know. There was a real division back then. Yes. You know, like, like you were either... You know, Team Metallica or Team Megadeth, because there was such, you know, because of the history, there was a big divide among fans. Yeah, and Megadeth, I mean, really did. I mean, in my opinion, when it came to like metal people, Megadeth, I think, had more people because Metallica was just fucking. They 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 just grabbed the masses. You know, they not all everybody that went to Metallica shows were hardcore metalheads. You know, they were just there because. Unforgiven and, and 
understand that became the well, thing. Well, I, I would I would say after the blackout, before that, you know, being a Metallica fan, being a thrash fan in general, uh, you were really you were looked down upon even by other metal uh, people who were into like the cock rock. Yeah, true. You know, thought 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 you were like, oh, look at this dirt bag. You know, right. my, even wearing a Motley Crue shirt didn't get along with people who, who wore a fucking Metallica shirt or a Megadeth shirt. You know, back then. This is a true story. I used to go, I, I went to like, I think it was uh, Flotsam and Jetsam. Uh, it was Flotsam and Jetsam, uh, Sanctuary Sound. I went to that show and I shot at the devil shirt. Back then I didn't give a fuck. I was like, right. let somebody say something to me. I love Shot of the Devil, you know? And this was already when Motley was really sucking. This right. was around Girls, Girls, Girls era, you know? But I didn't give a fuck, you know? I loved Shot of the Devil. I had the Shot of the Devil shirt. But anyway. Um, I didn't believe in none of that shit. I was right off the bat. I loved fucking uh, Slayer and I loved Out of the Cellar. You know, I loved uh, right. the first LA Guns album and I loved, you know, Rain and Blood. You know, it was like, I didn't give a fuck. If it was good, it was good. But I was on Team Megadeth and I, I'll never forget when Countdown first came out. First, I saw the, the video for... Um, Symphony of Destruction. And my first impression was I didn't hate it. In no way did I hate it. But I did say, ooh, this is very safe. This is very uh, formulated. This is commercial for Megadeth. It's not riffage. It's pretty much, you know, you know, very simple. So I was thinking, oh, well, you know, not that I was like, wow, this is an amazing song. It was more like, wow, they might dethrone Metallica because this is accessible, you know? So then Paul B. Gay got a fucking um, copy of it before I did. And he called me up going, dude, you got to come to my house. They did it. They fucking did it. Countdown's going to dethrone Metallica for sure. And I was like, Really? Like, yeah, dude, you gotta hear this album. I go, dude, this shit's better than Rust. It's way better. Oh, I was like, oh, oh man, can't wait to hear this. So I went to his house and I listened to it. And on my first listen, I was like, you know, it's not bad, but it's come on, dude, this ain't better than Rust. You know, I mean, you gotta remember at the time I was really pulling for Megadeth, so. It didn't really sink in how some of these songs were. I mean, I even noticed on my first listen, I was like, oh, this song may grow on me. You know, I just thought that. This, uh, okay, this song may grow on me. I was like, eh. And now, looking back on it, uh, they didn't grow on me. So, but, and I'll tell you this, these the songs that I liked the first time I listened to this album are the songs I still like. And the songs that was kind of like, maybe this will grow on me, I hate now, you know? Paul be gay. I think Paul be death too. <laughs> yeah, Paul, yeah. Paul was just hoping for, you know. Yeah. It's like I was, you know, because I was like, you know, fuck Metallica at the time, you know. Um, I mean, even though I wasn't as angry as most metalheads, I just felt like Rust in Peace was such a great album that I felt like Megadeth deserves to be as big or bigger than Metallica. I really did. I really was, you know, I just felt like this is a better band. But now in retrospect, and I know a lot of people won't agree with me when I say this, 
But in retrospect, I think those first three Metallica albums are better than anything Megadeth's ever done. And I love, Peace Sells my favorite Megadeth album, but I don't think Peace Sells is better than any, than Ride the Lightning Master or Kill Em All. I know a lot of people I, I, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. You want to start this album? All right. Uh, let's start with uh, the first one, Skin of My Teeth. Uh, uh, this is a song about suicide. And, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, well, uh, like like attempts at suicide, like basically being a, an attention seeker, you know, like like trying to kill yourself and not killing yourself, and really just like, look at me, I'm sad. Like 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 a guy that goes to a daily Roth group and starts praising Sammy Hagar, right? One of those exactly. type of attention exactly. whores. Okay, I got you. You want somebody to beat you within an inch of your life, but you really don't want to die. Right. Um, yeah, uh, you know, they they fought with MTV about this. Uh, they, they didn't want to, you know, play the video, you know, because they thought it was pro-suicide. And Dave's like, well, it's actually pro-life. It's about realizing you don't want to die. Um, it, it's good. It's not great. But for this album, it's great, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes uh, sense. You, you know, uh, this was the fourth and final single from the album. Uh and I don't mind it, but it's definitely, you can tell this is a different Megadeth. This is Megadeth uh, trying to reach the masses. And, you know, I think it really had to kill Mustaine, you know, when he put out an album like Rust in Peace that was so, like, you know, it did good. And people stood up and took notice. But it still didn't, you know, it didn't break through like the way, uh you know, Metallica did with Injustice because because of one, Injustice reached a whole new level. Uh, and, and Metallica in general. And I'm, I'm glad that it's like he didn't really try to chase Injustice. He just did his own and I think that's why Russ succeeds because he just did a great thrash album. Uh, but from this point on, it's constantly, especially I think after he saw what happened with the Blackout, like, oh fuck, I gotta do this. But then there's there's also part of me that wonders like, is this sincere? I I, I mean, does he really like this approach more? And and is he really like outgrown uh, thrash, or is it calculated? Is it just trying to uh, you, you know uh, appeal to everybody? And I think it's a little bit of both, to be quite honest, because Megadeth has just done too many mid-tempo albums. To, th- to think, you know, I, I think he's really always trying to chase, but that's part of who he is, too. And it's unfortunate because when he sticks with the thrash, I'm much more interested in Megadeth. But yeah, uh, and getting back to the song, uh, not a horrible song, uh, but because of all the other songs on here, it makes it sound that much better. What do you think, Will? I, I agree with you 100%. That, I think it's a cool opener, but I already see a shift into more simplistic writing. I think it rocks. I dig it. But yeah, uh, you know, going back and listening to the full album, this is kind of like one of the better tracks because it's you know, it's more up-tempo. But yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, you can't really stack this against Holy Wars, you know, or right. you know, Tornado Souls or Lucretia, you know. Right. Polaris, you know. I, you know and I'm just judging by this lineup. You know? Yeah. Um, but it's it, I, I dig the song. I mean, 
you know, today, this is what I did today. I didn't actually go back and look, because I don't really listen to Countdown that much. I rarely do. You know, and, and the way I listen to music, it's, uh, you know, if I get a brand new album, I'll put it in my iPod and I'll walk around and listen to it. But when it comes to older albums, like, you know, I will put on Peace Cells in its entirety. I've been known to go, oh, you know what? I want to listen to Rust today or Killing My Business if I want. So, I, you know, I'm known to do that. But when it comes to Countdown, no, I don't not. I never listen to Countdown in its entirety. So whenever I do hear a Countdown song, it comes on my shuffle. And what I do, my iPod in my car, I purposely just put songs I like off albums. I don't put full albums. Because uh, I don't want no shitty songs on my shuffle. So there's a couple songs on this fucking album that ain't on my iPod. And I will get to that. But Skin of My Teeth is one of the songs on my iPod. I do like it. Now, I gotta say, there's there's two songs on this album that I fucking love. And one, I would say, is even my top ten of all Megadeth songs. Wow. Yeah. It's on this album. It's coming up. Wow. Uh, and the other one is like, I mean, I wouldn't say top 10, but definitely top 15. But um, but this one, nah, this one ain't even in the top 30. But it's still a good song. I dig it, but, you know, it, you can already see the shift. And the first time I heard it, like I was talking, the first time he put it on for me, I was like, oh, man, yeah, Megadeth is rocking. You know, I mean, it didn't really dawn on me at the moment that, hey, this is more simple. This is more straightforward. But uh, the next song I did hear before the album came out. And like I said earlier, um, I was kind of like, all right, I don't hate this, but yeah, it's definitely a more commercial tune. And and hopefully it will uh, overthrow Metallica. It was the first single. It's even more simplistic than Skin of My Teeth. Uh, it's catchy, but I don't feel it has a great shelf life as it got old pretty quick as it was played on MTV to, I mean, to nausea, really. I mean, this shit was always played on MTV. Oh, yeah. And it, and it is a blatant attempt for a more commercial approach to compete with the Black Album. It, it's it's kind of like their Enter Sandman, you know? And I don't know if you ever heard the Gristle version. It's pure garbage trying to appeal the industrial scene that was just starting on to catch on at the moment. You ever seen that? They even made a video for it. Uh, oh. Now yeah. that you say the video, it's kind of bringing something back. Yeah, they, they made a, a, a video. It's a gristle version, which was, you know, on a B-side or something. And, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think Trent Reznor probably did it or mixed it or something. Uh, Nine Inch Nails wasn't big yet, but it was starting to, you know, get attention. And I guess maybe somebody in the record company told, hey, do an industrial version of this song. And it's fucking terrible. But um, now in retrospect, looking back on Symphony. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking up now. It was on the cassette single because I have I have the CD single of this uh, that I got just because it had Go to Hell on it. Because I didn't like all the other shit on that uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey soundtrack. What a great song, Go to Hell. Oh, love it. Love it. Better than anything on this fucking album. Yeah, and fall. 99 Ways to Die. I thought it was better oh, than anything yeah. on this album. Oh, man. Some of their soundtrack shit 
was just an angry again off last action well, that's hero. That's what I didn't like, dude. Really? I, uh, lot of, I know a lot of people like that one, and that was always played live. Oh, man. Uh, I, I ended my show uh, yesterday with that. I, I love that song, but yeah, I, I like I like that shit a lot better. But yeah, as I'm seeing it now, it was on uh, it was on the cassette single. Well, I do have it on CD. It was uh, I have something that's. Um, it's a Japanese import box set of all the yes, singles. Yes, it shows it here, the Mega Box Disc 4 Japanese. I have, yeah, I have, okay. I have that. Okay. It brings like a ruler inside and a book. and I got it for real cheap. Like a friend sold it to me for like 20 bucks. All right. And that shit, I think, was like, at that time, like 50 bucks, which at this time is about 100 bucks. Looking back on Symphony Destruction, it's, it's terrible. You know? Uh... Even though you listen to a Gristle version, it's like, well, it's not that bad, the original one, but um, you ever see, you ever, in, on YouTube, there is a, a clip of James Hetfield going, yeah, like the pie, pie, pie. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's pretty funny. James like, Hetfield. Like, like making fun of it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and this was much later, though. This is short-haired. James Hetfield, like oh I, oh, when he, when he had he had no room to make fun of him then. Yeah, it was, I think it was like Saint Anger era. Like Ooh. Yeah, at that point. Anyway, so uh, yeah, it's whatever. It's it, it, you know, and you know when they play this live in South America, the whole crowd goes Mega Death, Mega Death, Mega Death. <laughs> yeah, South Americans love this shit. I don't, uh, but. You know, I got to say, it's not like horror. It's not like trust, you know, you know shit like that. I can't stand, but uh, I it's still looking, <laughs> back, looking back. It's like, yeah, you guys almost did it. And you see, it was a logical first single. It did them great because oh, yeah. it went to number two this album. Yes, it was kept off the charts by Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah, Aching Breaky Heart guy, yeah. Yes, and, and, and man, that really set fucking uh, Mustaine off. He lost his shit over that because he wanted a number one because Metallica got one. And I think he, I did, too. I got and he, he, he never got it, and, and let's be realistic, now he never will. Uh, never. never. But, but uh, I, mean, I mean, there's no shame in number two, and for those who weren't there, Aching Breaky Heart was a phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, that, that was like a crossover. You know, it's just... It's, it's typical Megadeth luck because, it, you know, if that would have came out uh, you know, a month earlier or a month after, they would have got a number one album with this. Yep. But, uh, I'm telling you, at that time, Megadeth was huge. That's like everybody, well, every Van Hagar album debuted at number one. Van, 1984 would have been uh, number one if it wasn't for a little record called Thriller that nobody yeah. heard of. How, how many... How many Multi, multi-million selling albums didn't go to number one because of Thriller. You know, don't mean it didn't make an oh, impact. I mean, look, not that sales matters, but it does to these idiots when they go, right. well, they went to number one. It's like, that, that means shit. And if you really want to get technical about it, it may have went to number one, but it didn't send, it didn't sell 10 million. You right, know? you know, and, hey, they, you know, they got two Diamond Records with Diamond Dave. With yeah. Sam, you got four cubic zirconia. <laughs> Uh, you fucking fags, you Sammy fags. Oh, but they, but they, and that's insult to fags because I love gay people. 
uh, Sammy fans, you know, they're bad. No, but you know, you know, Sammy fans, you know, since they like David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar, they're better than us because they like more than we do. Oh, man, I just want to round up every Sammy fan, dress them up like Al Jolson and call the fucking cops. Uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, I want, I want every Sammy fan to go to Miami, lay on their bag and put their hands up. And then we shoot him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, Nate, repent, repent. Nah, leave Bushy Face out of this. I love Bush. Big yeah, Bushy. At least Bushy Face doesn't run around and start bullshit on yeah. Facebook, and then turn around and go, "But I like David Lee Roth. Yeah. But I yeah. also like Sammy. All right. Uh, Symphony of Destruction. Um, I think it's a great song. I, I, I think it's got a great riff simplistic and uh, rememberable but to me it's a it, it's almost to the T um, inner Sandman it, it, in its structure in its simplicity I really think that's what they were going for and to me they really did it to me it's just as catchy as a song as inner Sandman that being said again it's one I, I don't want to hear it's not what I want out of the band but you want to talk about writing like a simplistic classic groove that will appeal to the masses. Uh, this is it. And I wish there was audio of this. Because yours truly, the Ayatollah, uh, uh, did a version of Symphony of Destruction in my band Blood Sausage. I don't know if there's any uh, audio that survived. You'll have to... Gary Gunn, he's on the Facebook page. Everybody send him messages, see if he's got it. And I tell you, Mustaine's a hard voice to do, man. I remember... We did so many cuts of this song trying to get it to sound right, but, uh, you know, with my limited ability, it was a bitch. But uh, the, the only one that survived is my death metal rendition of uh, Queensryche, I Don't Believe in Love, which, if we ever review uh, that album, I will put up the audio of that, me doing death metal vocals. Oh, we definitely should, because I love Operation Mindcon. Yeah, you won't after you hear me sing it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, What are you talking about? I still love fucking... Uh... I still love uh, Unchained by Van Halen. <laughs> and I heard Sammy sing it. Ouch. <laughs> oh, You know, but, people uh, are like, well, David Lee Roth can't sing Sammy Hagar songs. You ever heard Sammy do Van Halen songs? Oh, yeah. David Lee Roth songs? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. There goes your little fucking technically better singer, my ass. Oh, If he was can't... technically good, he can do David Lee Roth songs great. Because after all, David Lee Ross Limited, isn't he, you jackasses? I love this here, Sam Hagar attempt, Little Dreamer. No, 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 let me take that back. No, I, I wouldn't love to hear that. <laughs> I hate to hear that. Oh, God, could, could you imagine him trying to do, like, Ice Cream Man? Oh. He's like, I'm your Ice Cream Man, but I can't eat it because I'm lactose intolerant. I'm an Ice Cream Man. Yeah, you want one sucker in a three-piece suit? Sucker and look, sucker in a three-piece suit. Sucker, that's in a fucking title. Sucker. <laughs> Can you believe that? Sucker. I can't drive 55 because I got a four-cylinder. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, enough about that asshole. Oh uh, no, we're yeah. not done with that asshole. Yeah, we're never done with that asshole. But I, I I'm done with the song. I think it's a good song, but uh, not what I want out of Megadeth. But I, I see why it was a hit for him. But this also, because it was a hit, would unfortunately 
changed the whole direction of the band throughout the rest of the decade, and I would say even in far into the next decade. I, I mean, it, it would be a long time before you would hear thrash out of this band again. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Well, there's a little bit of thrash on this album. Uh, is there? The next song. Oh, okay. This is more like the Megadeth that I would expect. It's fast riffage, many changes, not easy to play. That's Megadeth to me. But I feel it got lost in translation due to the production. And I'm talking about architecture of aggression. Um, I, I always thought this song was like, whatever. I never really thought much of it. I, you know, when I heard it, I go, yeah, that, now that sounds, you know, after these last two songs, this sounds more like Megadeth to me. But it's still forgettable tune. It's not something that I'm like, I bring up. But you know what? I heard the demo to this later, and I love it. I don't know if you ever heard the demo to this song. No. The demo is raw. I, you know, something about the production ruins this song for me. Well, uh, you know, here's something I, I don't know if you know, but uh, this this album, a lot of these songs were changed drastically from how they started out uh, due to Max Norman. He really, uh, yeah, I mean, he's not given writing credit, but uh, but the way he kind of cut these songs down and changed it, almost every song was was really reconstructed and given like a new glossy shine. Well, I have no doubt that this would be better in demo form because, uh, you know, he had, Max Norman really had his hand in the pot on this one. Yeah, it was one of the B-sides. Uh, the demo version of this song. I believe there's a couple other that were demoed too that I heard that really, I think that maybe maybe it was the, the title track where it didn't really improve it. But um, this one was very much improved demo form. But as far as like the album version, next, what do you think? Uh, supposedly this song is about uh, Saddam Hussein. Um, it's okay, but to me, where's the thrash? This isn't thrash enough for me. It's too uh, too polished, just like the rest of it, man. Not, you know, I want to hear something like fucking Holy Wars, you know, uh, or, you know, The Conjuring, and there's nothing like that on this album. I mean, there's not even a fucking, you know, there's not a 502 on this fucking record, if you ask me. Um... You know, it, it's just, it, it's slowed down, uh, you know, it's it spoon-fed metal, you know, and, and that's, I think it was even more of an insult for thrash bands to do this than, than your other bands. You know, nobody gets mad at KISS when they sub out because KISS was never about integrity. But thrash back then was really, it was all about integrity. And it was all about doing something that you know the masses can't handle. You know, it was just this new extreme, uh, you know, music. And it, w- it would be like uh, Jeff Tate vocals on a death metal song. You know, it goes against the whole premise of what you're trying to do. And, and, and that's how I feel this is. Like, you can't, you know, this is thrash with a rubber on. And I want my shit bareback, you know. And I, I, don't, I don't do no Trojan thrash. And uh, that's what this is to me. And uh, not a fan of architecture of aggression. All right. What do you think of the next one? Oh, God. The next one. Uh, boring. Uh, a, a boring-ass Farm Aid song. You know, and I, I get the sentiment, what they're talking about, you know. And, uh, 
this was uh, the second single off the album. And yeah, I, I, I see what you're getting at about, you know, killing the fucking album. And, he, and here's another thing, you know, this album was released before Symphony wasn't even released as a single. The single was released like the next week. And um, they didn't release this till October. The album came out in July. And this was released in October. And it's just like a fucking, you know, just a ballad about, you know, farms getting taken away. You know, it's, it's like, you know, where where's Willie and Mellencamp on this one? I'd rather hear Rain on the Scarecrow. I think it's a better, heavier, thrashier song than, uh, than Foreclosure of a Dream. I, I appreciate the sentiment, what they're talking about with the American Farmer. But uh, not what I want on a fucking thrash album. Very boring, very forgettable. What do you think? Uh, actually, you brought up a good point. You know, I hate John Google Melon Balls, but I, <laughs> but I do like that song. Blood on the Scarecrow. Blood oh, on the oh, oh, and, and lyrically, it's it's fucking like really good to the yeah. point. You know, yeah, yeah, you say this is your job, but that don't make it right. You know, and it's a more hard hit. It's actually harder lyrically even than this song. I like but that it, song, dude. I, yeah, I honestly yeah. do. I, I and yeah. I and I can't stand that guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, it's not like I can't stand him because he, he seems like an all right guy. But, I, right. you know, I never liked Jack and Diane and, right. and all those fucking songs. But, yeah, uh, no, I, I get that. But, but yeah, I mean, to me, he delivered a more hard-hitting song about the subject than this. Foreclosure of the Dream, yeah, it is fucking boring. And, uh, and it's a horrible second single. It totally ruined the momentum of this fucking album. And, um, I, you know... Well, when we had when we had that little thing on our page and everybody was like, "Oh yeah, dude, countdown, dude!" I saw a lot of people write how they love this song. Oh, didn't you see that? Like, people were like, "I love for Cody of a Dream." I was like, "Really?" I think yeah. mu- musically, I think it's sterile. And you know, you know, what's funny is at this concert, who was I sitting next to in the lawn? But Dave Ellison's cousin, and and dude. He said he was his cousin. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then I look at, looked exactly like him. And what, what, and he's he's from, uh, I think he's from Minnesota. You know, and he was talking about coming all the way from Minnesota. Well, I mean, it's the next state over. But uh, you know, it's funny you see interviews with his family, like don't he don't you know you know and you know and that was this yeah, guy. Yeah, because they're from Fargo. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, but uh, I, I believe I remember seeing an interview where he said that you know. Uh, you know, Ellis said this was something he was passionate about because it was something, uh, yeah, and he, he co-wrote the lyrics on this. It was something he was passionate about because it was happening back, you know, in the rural areas where he came from. So it was something they believed in, but yeah, yeah, boring. Well, maybe they're not from Fargo because I remember, what I do remember is the... Or he said they don't, you know, people don't talk, or he said they do talk like Fargo. Yeah, because I, the Behind the Music had an interview with his parents. Yeah, and remember she's like, Magda, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it's just like those people in that movie Fargo, you know? Exactly. But yeah, I mean they're from the sticks, and uh, but yeah, I, so I can appreciate the sentiment. But yeah, like you say, it's just a boring song. It's a boring song, and it t- totally destroyed uh, this album to sell a couple millions. Now, the next song should have been the second single. This should have followed Symphony of Destruction, and like you said, that came out in October. This should have followed, like, maybe two months later. 
No, this, this wasn't released till February. I know, I know. Sweating bullets, bullets was released way too late. The damage yeah. was done. Yeah. Um, but this should have been the second single, and with a different video. I mean, I thought the concept was okay of the video, but then it got a little goofball at the same time, and it takes away I, from the song. I agree. I agree. You know, a stronger visual as a second single. This album could have sold a few more million, in my opinion. As a song. I really do like it. I think it's catchy and cool. I like the little changes. And it, it is, to me, not sounding like classic Megadeth, but I feel it's still a classic Megadeth song that I would not mind if they threw this on the set list. It's not... But then again, if I went to go see Megadeth, they didn't play Sweating Bullets, I wouldn't be disappointed either. But I don't mind this song. I think it's an okay song. It's not bad. I mean, it's... Especially with you know all the albums on here, I think it's a, along with Skin of My Teeth, it's one of the better ones. Uh, and it, but I think it has that mass appeal factor that could have really, really skyrocketed this band if they released this soon after Symphony of Destruction. But who the fuck thought you know they're you know people with foreclosure or dream they're thinking yeah we're gonna get them like you know on CNN and, you know, we're going to... Or, or maybe, maybe they were trying for that, like, uh, the unforgiven, nothing else matters aspect. I really think that was it. And plus, I mean, if you look back, you know, those of us who remember what the cycle was back then, you released... Yeah. Even with the cock rock, you released the, the harder, the, 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 the poppier song first, and the ballad was second. Right. And, yeah. and, and now, because thrash bands are doing ballads, they followed the same structure as well. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and I, I think the record companies have a lot to do with this, and they probably just follow that same mode. Hey, it works for Motley Crue and Warrant. Let's try it for fucking, uh, you know, Megadeth. Let's get the chicks. Yeah, get the chicks, man. You know? Where there, there is a song coming up on here that's a blatant, in my opinion, a blatant uh, way trying to get chicks into Megadeth. But I'll get into that one later. All right. Uh, uh, all right, you go. Uh, not bad, but to me, there's always been something borderline, uh, spinal tap about this. Something a little too corny, and maybe, maybe I feel that way because of the video, because it was cheesy, and I, I remember, uh, you, you know, like, people that I knew that weren't, like, Megadeth fans even laughing, and, you know, they'd always be like, hey, me, me, the real me, you know, like, what you just said, uh, Hetfield did with, uh, you know, uh, Symphony. You know, and like, yeah, 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 I get it. It's corny. Um, it's it's not bad, but there's always been something a little too jokey about this. But it does have that mustaine sneer to it, uh, and and I do like that. But yeah, I'm kind of like you. Like, if they played it, great. I'd rather hear this shit than that fucking horrible She Wolf song that they won't let go. I like that song. Oh man, I've tried a gazillion because I see it's never left the left the set list. And still, every couple months, I play it. Like, what am I missing here? What am I missing? I love the riffage. That's what oh. I like about it. I like how the song starts. And Oh, I I, I, I would rather hear Trust than She Will. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, and, and I don't like Trust. To me, it, it's just, it's not that it's hard. It's just, forget, there's nothing. Like, I hear it, and, and I don't even realize a song has passed. And there's a bunch more coming up on this. You know, because what I do when I, when I do the reviews, you're real good at remembering shit. And here, you know, here's another thing. When we do these, 
I'm drunk, so even shit I do remember, I don't, you know, because I'm drinking, I don't remember, so I gotta write it down. But I'll listen to the album, you know, not taking notes, just listening to it. See what, does something grab my attention? Like, ooh, this guitar solo I gotta talk about, you know? But I just see what grabs me. Then the second or third time when I'm listening to it, that's when as I'm listening, I, I take notes. And there's so much shit on here that didn't even like, oh fuck, I forgot to write notes because I totally spaced off because the song just, uh, you know, like I wasn't listening to anything. This isn't that bad. It's got elements of classic, but uh, still, it's straying too far away uh, from what I want out of Megadeth. And, 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 and this album in, in a whole is why um, they are my least favorite out of the big four. You know, even though Mustaine is my favorite guitar player out of the big four as a band, and if you look at their actual catalog, you add up all the albums, which is unfair because all the other big four have done fucking three times as many albums as Metallica. But if, if you add in all the stinkers, you know, it's something, I, you know, I wish Megadeth didn't make so many albums because there wouldn't be so many shitty ones. You know? But, uh, yeah, ugh, whatever. We'll go into the next one, which is uh, This Was My Life. Uh, again, it's all right. A little too happy for me. Uh, you know, musically. Maybe not lyrically, but ha- uh, but musically, it's just happy. There, there's a lot of songs on here I can see somebody dancing the Carlton to. You know, and you shouldn't be able to do that to thrash. You know, but this is just too little happy. And I'll say this. I know Jacob Wood's going to be pissed off. Marty Freeman was never the right man for this band. You know, I don't care how technically good he is. His heart was never in thrash. And I, I think as it goes on, you see him more catering towards uh, Marty's sensibilities and, and what he enjoys. And that's the precise reason why he plays J-pop now and whatever the fuck that is. And, and, and not metal because it's not where his heart is. You know, I'd rather take Coco or whatever the, the, the new guy at least this Coco. guy, th- this guy likes fucking metal, and you can hear it. Coco. Yeah, you can hear it. <laughs> Jason Broderick, I thought, was an amazing guitar player. Fuck yeah, me. and extremely nice guy too. You, you know, you know, uh, you know, those guys are metal guys, and still, I mean, don't get me wrong, everybody, you, you know, Mustaine's got to okay what you do, but I honestly think out of all the guitar players in Megadeth, I think Marty was given the most freedom. Uh, I, I, I think they respected him so much because of his ability, but it's not where his heart is. He's, a, you know? he's a, but you can't, you cannot deny the fact that Marty is a great actor. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I've seen him in Shut, Shutter Island. He was awesome. In that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marty Scorsese, great guy, good director. Marty, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't know, but but this is where the the album really really goes down to downhill for me uh yeah that's definitely a turning point and it reminds me of why uh, you know it's funny by this point we're in the cd era you know i'm not buying cassettes anymore but there's a lot of albums i would almost treat like a cassette because i wouldn't play the second half by the time i get to this i'd pop it out you know in my alpine pullout cd player <laughs> in my car and put in something else because to me the second half of this album Totally forgettable. But we'll get into that more as we go. What do you think of this is my life? 
uh, more commercial, safe sounding, kind of uh, his ride to lightning, but much weaker, because the, the, the lyrics are pretty much about a guy that's going to go to the world uh, electric chair. I can kind of hang with this. It's nothing special, but it's not, it's, eh, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go as far to say it sucks. Uh, I do remember them playing this live, and I would have picked another song off this album. They, you know, uh, another couple songs that they didn't play live that should have been played live instead of this one. Uh, my favorite part of the song, though, is near the end when he goes, This is my life. This is my fate. That part is really heavy and cool, but unfortunately, it's just a little piece at the end. I, I, I love that part. But that was pretty much it. Uh, right. So that's my review on that one. Uh, the next one is the, the title track. This is the one that I was talking about that was a blatant attempt to appeal to the chicks. Because chicks care about animals. I'm not saying that us dudes don't care about animals, but we're already fans. So, you know, and but uh, they, they, don't, they need the chicks. And <laughs> um, again, a real safe song. Uh, it's not terrible, but the overall vibe seems like a bit desperate attempt for mass appeal. Um, a lot of these songs do actually, you know, and you can tell it is watered down. This song's very watered down. And you know, another thing that really upsets me about Megadeth from this point forward till actually the last album, because not even, well, Endgame doesn't count because Dave Ellison wasn't there, but holy fuck did Dave Ellison dumb down his bass playing on this fucking album. You know, Dave Ellison is incredible. What he did on the, even Rust in Peace, I mean, Rust in Peace, he did slow down a bit, but there was like Five Magics and, you know, there was a couple songs where he did like, you know, Polaris and shit like that, where he was doing all the crazy bass work. Well, listen, listen to the bass playing on Countdown Extinction. It's like, what the fuck? You trying to be Nikki Six now? It's so. <laughs> it's like Primal Scream, you know? <laughs> it's actually slower than Primal Scream. It's like Nikki Six in slow motion. <laughs> it's like, dude, Bobby Doll laughs at that fucking bass. Line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just gonna bop this faster. I'm telling you, yeah. Oh my god, that, 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 that's embarrassing. <laughs> so you know and, and you know the lyrics you know ah, we care for animals oh they're defenseless animals and we're killing them countdown to extinction uh even though you look at the album cover it kind of looks like you know us as humans but no the song itself is about the killing of animals and you know especially animals that are extinct and uh i feel like this song really falls flat it's Again, I, I can't say it's a terrible song, um, but, you know, I put it above, count, uh, what is it, um, Foreclosure of a Dream, but but still, it's it, it's just too formulated, especially for Megadeth. It's, yeah, this was, I, even the, I remember the first time I heard it, and Paul B. Gay even said that to me, he goes, dude, this song's going to be a hit, because he's the one that put that in my head, and he was right. He goes, chicks will dig this, because it's about animal abuse and this and that. And, and he was right, but the thing <laughs> is that the chicks never got to hear this song because 
for closure of the dream was the second song and it killed the momentum that you know that it's like you know like if metallica didn't take off chicks would never know uh nothing else matters <laughs> well i i think paul b gay loves it because paul b loving Peter. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god i thought this was about the extinction of megadeth yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah this is so boring so boring and so lame and, and, and man I am a huge huge animal lover and uh, animal rights activist now, I'm not no fucking vegetarian I'll eat the fuck out of an animal but uh you can't grill it unless you kill it that's right uh, but I would never kill an animal that wasn't for food um, it, 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 it's just boring I don't care about the message uh, the song sucks. You know, you know, if you're gonna have a decent message, at least have a song to back it up. And and for a title track, and to name the album off of this, like really, in my opinion, if you have a title track, that should be the best song on your fucking album. That should be the epic. Uh, that should be a statement and overall, you know, this is what the album's about. Well, I guess it is in this case. That's why but, a lot uh, of people don't really give Lick It Up a chance. <laughs> uh, oh, I like Lick It Up better than this song. I don't. <laughs> uh, 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 this is, uh, yeah, this is bad. This is, you know, like I said, the, the, the second side. And, uh, oh my God. Yeah, this is just boring. And another thing that I should bring up that really drives me about this, and I know it's trivial, and... Uh, I shouldn't feel this way, but something that really bothers me is a Megadeth album without Vic on the cover. Yeah, me too. And, and, and the picture in the back is pretty cool. Yeah, I would much rather have that to cover. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they did the same thing with the next album. Yeah, it's uh, not trivial. And actually, uh, believe it or not, Euthanasia, I really dig that album cover. Uh, I really well, yeah, do. Yeah, but I like it better, the, you know, the reverse cover. You know, I, I like... I like fucking uh, Euthanasia as an album better than this album. Much better. Um, and, 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 and don't get me wrong, I still have problems with that album. Like, I fucking really hate that that one he won't let go that Fuck! Oh, God, do I fucking hate that. So, and then he recorded it twice. Well, maybe if, if Vic was hanging up the baby. Yeah. Because I really yeah. like that. That album cover so sick, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, but it should have been Vic. But uh, from what I heard that it was pressure from the record company uh, you know saying that you know uh, Vic's too scary Vic's too satanic uh, you know you're not going to get appeal to the masses with that kind of a gory cover but it's not like oh so like the, the, the half naked old man hanging is going to get the chicks in there yeah exactly you know put Vic on the fucking cover but then uh, I've heard mixed things I heard it was interference from the record label saying you have to do that uh, to appeal to more people, uh, and I've heard that, and maybe this is Mustaine trying to cover up for the fact that it was actually the record label's idea, but, you know, he said, oh, you know, the mascot thing's been done, you know, I mean, of course, Iron Maiden is the kings of the mascot, but, you know, you also had, uh, you know, Murray with Dio, you know, to me, I always want Murray on the cover in some form or another, you know, I, I miss when Motley Crue had Alistair Fiend, you know, um, you know, even though he was never on a cover, but, you know, I'm, he was always on shirts and was a character. And to me, Vic Rattlehead is, you know. But then again, I still think the original cover 
of uh, Killing My Business looks better than the remastered cartoon one. So there you go. But uh, yeah, yeah, the cover bothers me and this song bothers me. Blah. All right, why don't you take the next piece of shit? Uh, high Speed Dirt. Um, a song played live before the album came out, but yes. not played on the actual tour. Uh, this would have kind of fit in on Rust as a filler track. It's fast, like, it's kind of got that Tornado of Souls-ish, just not as piston as, it's not as good. Does have a bit of a safeguard on it. I kind of dig it. It's just not as pissed on the overall vibe. Uh, it's it's forgettable. You know, it's here and there and fast and this and that. And Dave Mustaine wrote it because at the time he was skydiving a lot. And uh, a little side note, if you guys ever saw that uh, Headbangers Ball episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know, you're aware of this, uh, Ian, but that... Those people that took Dave Mustaine up there, they they crashed and died. Oh, I didn't that I did not know. Yeah, those people that that, that those people and I think I believe after that happened, Dave stopped skydiving. But. I, I I know I know that's the episode where uh, Mustaine and Ricky Rackman got into one of their famous fights. But I, I didn't yeah know. yeah and uh, yeah and um, but yeah that's you know this song was inspired by that and. Uh, like I said, it's it's you know it's not bad, but it's kind of forgettable. I can another one that you know if they never play live, I'll be okay. What do you think? Oh uh, yeah, uh, a song about skydiving. Pull the fucking cord on this song already. Uh, week, uh, I believe this is the one that was the vid- the video where they show the uh, the pit. This was the last single off the album. This is the fourth single. Uh, and and, and uh, or no, no, I'm sorry. Skin of My Teeth was the fourth single. Uh, but they did have a video for it. They did but a video. I, look, the, the video for Skin of My Teeth was shown on MTV before for Closer to Dream. Maybe it wasn't released as a single, but. The video was shown before? Okay. Yeah. The, yeah and, it was, and High Speed Dirt, I don't think MTV ever showed it. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Well, I'm trying to remember where it's, Maybe it was it's, on the it's Rusted. Not, it's on, on the Rusted. Yeah. Rusted. Yeah, because I, I had that on VHS. Yeah, yeah, it's on there. Okay, okay, that's what I'm thinking about then. Yeah, that's where they show, because uh, I always thought that was where they showed the pit that was actually from Pain Yeah, Yeah, that was both, both uh, Skin of My Teeth and High Speed Dirt was from the same show. Right, so, yeah, yeah, that, that was that was an Alpine and that was before the show, I mean, before the album was released. Yeah, this is boring, dude. It's, it, it's, it's, uh, I couldn't see this on Rust in Peace. You know, and another thing I want to point out, I've seen a lot of people bitch about lately. They talk about Rust in Peace. They say Dawn Patrol sucks. No, that song no, fucking That cool. song is great, dude. That song, that bass to me, that's Dave Ellis and that. Oh, man, that is fucking I awesome. love Dawn Patrol. That's, I, that's one I'm not too crazy about is Hangar 18, actually. And I, I love that too. I'm not really. I like the the dual guitar solo at the end, but the beginning sounds like Countdown Extinction to me. That type of safeness. Yeah. So it gets like crazy at the end. I love that part. I don't know. I, I, Paw Patrol. I, I, what a great, great oh. intro to probably my favorite song off that album, Polaris. Yeah. yeah, love it, love it. Fucking great. Yeah, but I, I, I saw you know it was James Gilman, you know, 
but but he hates everything. No comment. You know? No comment. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get that kid starting starting with me again. Uh, uh, the the next horrible song, Psychotron. Uh, while it isn't as bad as Moto Psycho, uh, it's still a stupid fucking name, a stupid fucking song. Apparently, this is about uh, some Marvel comic shit. Uh, what the fuck is it about? Something, uh, a, a Marvel comic character named Death Clock. I, I don't know, but, you know, a stupid song. Stupid. I don't want to hear no psycho shit. I don't want to hear no fucking Black Sabbath Psycho Man sucks. Uh, Psychotron sucks. Moto Psycho sucks. Psycho Holiday? Now that's good. <laughs> now that's good. That's a metal. Yeah. Okay. That's psycho. You heard Psycho from Metal Church? That song rules. No, I really need to explore some metal church. This is the never... second album. It's on the second album. It's great. The dark. Is that the, the dark? Yeah, yeah, great album. Uh, I, I've got some metal church, and to tell you the truth, never listened to it. Listen to uh, the first two. They're great. All right, we'll do. Uh, hopefully, it's better than this. Uh, to me, uh, this wouldn't make the worst Anthrax record. That's how forgettable this is. Th- th- this wouldn't have been put on volume eight. The threat is real. That's how horrible this song is uh just wow and, and and again uh you know we're we're out of the album era we're into the cd era uh you know th- there's a lot more albums that that abuse the time limit more than this record but we're already in that era where you know you can go over if you want this is something never should have made the fucking album uh pathetic what do you think well you schooled my ass because i fucking love this one. Oh wow Pure precision, structured so badass. Uh, was not played live on the tour, but this was my life was. Uh, this is my second favorite track on this. Maybe not a mutant, maybe a man. I love that. Musically, it matches the lyrics of this Terminator-type machine man that is a killing machine, just downright mean, forever gunning. I love this fucking song. This song rules. I just dig it, dude. I'm totally uh, a fan of uh, Psychotron. All right. Okay. So uh, (laughs) uh, I love it. I do love this song. Um, The next song is my favorite song on the album. Wow. Yes. I love Captive Honor. Wow. My God, do I love this. This one, this is one that I would put in my top 10 of all Megadeth songs. Um. Okay, let me let me break it down for you and let me explain why I love it so much. Um, Is this because of the Guns N' Roses chick? No. <laughs> How did you come up with that fucking uh, equation? Because I, I, I blame every bad decision on her. <laughs> I don't like that girl, Ralph. <laughs> Good I'm not a fan. Um, <laughs> Captive Honor is my favorite. I love everything about this song. I love the nice little mellow intro. The spoken word from the judge and the prisoner yelling how he has no life into this killer mid-tempo uh, tune with a dark side of dropping the soap and prison lyrics. Home run with bases loaded, if you ask me. And another song, another one of those songs that was not played live on the tour. Uh, this song is what made me buy the Countdown to Extinction Blu-ray that they released a couple of years back where they played the whole album in its entirety. And uh, let me tell you something, it was worth it because live, 
This song kicks ass and so does Psychotron. It's my favorite track and it would definitely make the top 10 of my favorite Megadeth tunes, Captive Honor. Hell yeah, I love it. Now uh, spoil my ass. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, my notes are, is this album still on? <laughs> uh, I, I really hated the, the Judge shit. I thought that was corny and cheesy as shit. Um, but what I will do is I'll check out the live versions, man. I, uh, oh, man, that's going to be fucking tough to listen to this whole album fucking again. But, uh, you know, maybe something in the light. And, and that has happened before. You know, I've heard shit that, you know, didn't work for me studio-wise. But live, um, you know, was a different story. So and maybe I'll, I'll just check out, you know, these songs that I don't like and see if a live version changes it. But, yeah, this, uh, yeah, this, this don't cut the mustard in these parts. That's now, I, I got I got to say that um, the live version... To the song equals the studio version, so I don't think it'll change your mind. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, I'll take the last song so we can end this shit. Uh, Ashes and Mouth. Uh, this, this is like a fucking chopstick in the ear. I don't know. It does nothing for me. Ouch! The, 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 the longest song and fucking boring. I wish this song would... Really? Ashes I wish, in your mouth? Yeah. You like I, that of this song? Yeah, I, right, I wish... Continue, continue. I wish it would have been at the beginning of the album, so it would have, you know, I wouldn't have six minutes and ten seconds at the end of what? it. What? through. Really? Yeah, did nothing for me, dude. Fuck, man. Yeah, sorry. Did you like that? That was my impression of everybody that loves this song. <laughs> because I hate this song, too. This song sucks. Uh, Good, thank you. This is where you and I are going to get a lot of hate because I don't get it. Musically, it's kick-ass. Why do, why do people praise this song? Dude, this is a song every... You're going to see, dude. Everybody thinks Ashes in the Mouth is the best song on the album. Wow. Everybody I know. Wow, you, you need new friends. No, no, no. <laughs> Your friends do. You're everybody. You're just, everybody listening now that's like... Oh shit, Countdown Extinction, I love that album. Especially Ashes in Your Mouth. I can't wait to hear what they say about that. And now they're like, they're unfriending us. Oh man. Uh, you know, musically and technically, yeah, it's Megadeth, no doubt. But the vocal melodies and that, where do we go from here? Course annoys me to no end. I do like that little thrashy section before and during the solo and that little melodic twin guitar, that little instrumental in the middle is good. I like that. But everything before and after just annoys me to no end. So there you are. I'm not a fan of the fan favorite on the album. Yeah. 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 No, thank you. All right. Well, uh, let's see here. Little stats. This was released July 14th, 1992, did very well, made it to number two on the U.S. charts, produced by Max Norman and Dave Mustaine, and uh, they would stay, you know, if you like this, you know, you're going to like the rest of them, because, man, they, they definitely threw away their thrash card for a long time, which I don't think really came back till around Endgame. I mean, there'd be some songs here or there. Uh, you know, and even though it's not very much a, a thrashy album, uh, what's 
uh, the, the first one he did without uh, Ellipson. Uh, System has failed. System has failed. I, I like it, but it's still not that heavy. Uh, you know, United Abominations. Eh. Endgame, I dug. 13, Super Collider, really didn't listen to. Dystopia, I really dig. But I will say out of this middle section of Megadeth's life, I enjoy Euthanasia uh, way better than any of them. Cryptic Writings is horrible. Risk is horrible. World Needs a Hero is really, really horrible. Uh, yeah. Man, for a band that started out so good, they really sucked, you know, for most of their career, if you ask me, on record at least. And blah. Well, I didn't mind uh, Euthanasia. I would put it in par with Countdown. Uh, Cryptic Writings, I liked a lot, actually. Disintegrator, oh, FFF. Oh, no, really? Yeah, I, I, but... Oh. But it did have horrible songs like Trust and whatever that second song was that was also a, almost human or something like that. I almost know. honest. Yeah, I didn't like that either. There, I loved Use the Man. It was weird. That's that's not too bad, but... It's it's definitely different from Megadeth. Um, Disintegrator I loved. Uh, you know, it, it had its moments, but... Again, it was kind of like a trifecta of, you know, three albums that were just like good and bad. But if I was to pick the best out of the three, I'd probably say Cryptic. Maybe not. I don't know. I'd have to think. I'd have to listen to all all again. But you know, as like I remember, Disintegrator was like, "Fuck yeah, dude! This is I love this." And FFX was awesome. But Risk is garbage. World Needs a Hero. Let me tell you something, man. World Needs a Hero was them, like, getting away from risk, going back to, you know, the heaviness. And I feel like it was just as bad as risk. It was so bland and terrible. I, uh, it, and, and, and a horrible lineup. I mean, uh, yeah. And I know, love Al Petrelli, but it just it, he wasn't good. Yeah, play. between him and Jimmy DeGrasso. And, you know, you know, I mean, not these people can play their instruments. But that's not a Megadeth lineup. Yeah, because I, I dug uh, Widowmaker. Yeah, no, uh, no. I mean, I mean, they they can play, but it's just like they're not thrash people. Yeah. And you're put you're putting them in a thrash band, you know. And that was my same bitch about uh, uh, Freeman. He's not a thrash player. He's not a thrash fan. You know. I dig sy- systems. I dig uh, United Abomination. They it had its moments, but yeah, there was some clunkers on there too. I loved Endgame. 13, yeah. I never really gave a chance to. Neither Super Collider. Uh, I've never listened to both those albums, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I don't think I have in their entirety. Just like what I heard when it came out, I was like, eh. Yeah, I've seen like a video or two, and I was like, oh, I'll get around to it eventually. I never did. Yeah. I love Dystopia. I think that's the best album since Rust. I agree. That album fucking rules. So um, there you go. That's our uh, Megadeth review. Yeah, so be careful what you ask for, kids. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, do you have a pick of the week this week, Ralph? Yes, I do. Ooh, all right. Uh, I am going to pick something that's brand new, and it's the best live album since the 70s. Wow. Yeah, not a lot of people will agree with this. And uh, even though we aired it much earlier, because we're doing everything in order... But we did bump up the Dynasty, the Dynasty episode. And in the Dynasty episode, my pick of the week was uh, Rise of the Phoenix from Tenacious D. 
Uh, in retrospect, I should have picked the live album. They just released the live album that uh, I didn't even know. I mean, this band gets no fucking promotion whatsoever. I was at a record store and I saw it on vinyl. And I was like, well, Tenacious D has a live album. And it was really cheap. It was like nine bucks. And it's a full live album. So what the fuck? I'll buy it. I put it on and it blew my mind how good it is. Well recorded, cool vibe. I don't know if it's a fake live album. It probably is not because, you know, it's just two guys in acoustic guitars. Well, I think there is some band involvement. I think it's really well uh, performed, very well sounding. I think it's a phenomenal live album and I haven't heard a live album this good since Made in Japan. Wow. I mean, I love the Twisted Sister live album, but that one is kind of like wasn't meant to be released. You know what I mean? Are you talking about Made in Japan by Maiden or yes. by Deep Purple? Okay. Oh, by Maiden. Yeah. Okay. No, no, there's, come on. Budokan came out after they. Yeah, I, I know. That's why I was asking. I was like, wow, wait. Unleashed in the East and shit like that. No, no, no. Uh, Iron Maiden in Japan. Okay. That's like, I love that EP. And I have the full, you know, I have the full album. Because there's another one that was floating around online called Made in Japan, the complete concert. That's not the same show. Right. I have that show on CD, the whole fucking thing, on an actual store-bought CD that was limited edition. I do own it. Maybe it's a bootleg, but it's definitely that that show. Uh, I, I have what I believe it is, too. I, I'd like to compare it with you to see if it's the same one. Well, I'll send you or, my copy. Or if I've got the bogus one. I have the bogus one, too. The bogus one, Paul sounds like shit. Paul really doesn't sound good on the bogus one. And you can tell the difference between Running Free and Remember Tomorrow and Innocent Exile and what's the other song on there? Um, what's the Ratchet. You can tell the difference between the EP and the live version where this live album I have, it's the same goddamn show. Right. But Tenacious D Live, that's what it's called. That's my pick of the week. Right on. Well, I will have to check that out. I'm a big fan of the D. Um, and mine is by a band I know you hate, but uh, I'm a big fan. And that's Black Crows and their album Lions. Now, this one was released. Uh, they got a new guitar player in the band. Audley Freed was their uh, the lead guitar player. And they had just got done doing the tour they did with Jimmy Page. And you can tell the effect on this album, you know, like playing with him and playing all those Zeppelin uh, classics had on the songwriting and the attitude. It's much heavier for a Black Crows album. Uh, and not only heavier, but it's also, I, I would say, more experimental. You know, I think they took a lot of, you know, playing all those Zeppelin classics, which, you know, vary so much on their context and the light and the shade of the music. Uh, they definitely had an impact on this. Uh, it was produced by Don Was. But uh, when it came out in 2001, it really, you know, like the Black Crows era, you, you know, they, they weren't the darlings anymore. They weren't on the top of the charts. So it, it went largely ignored. But I saw the tour for this, and it was a very good show. And uh, I think it's a really good album. Check it out. It's just, you know, it ain't metal. It's just good old rock and roll. But uh, Lions by Black Crows. My pick of the week. Ew. <laughs> All right. Well, now, now we go into Fan of the Week. And uh, Fan of the Week... 
I don't think I picked this guy again. I need to find that thread where people who haven't been picked yet. But uh, this guy posts a lot, and I always enjoy what he has to say, and that's Ryan T. Russell. And, yeah, Ryan, you're on there damn near every day, uh, definitely every week. And uh, I enjoy you being part of the part of the family and posting and making the page what it is, you know, because we can't be there all the time. I'm, the, I'm pretty much just there Monday through Friday, and, you know, Dr. Fuck's there when he can, too. You guys keep it running, you know, with good posts and witty comments, and we appreciate it. Ryan T. Russell, you are our fan of the week. All right, cool. I like that guy. All right, well, let's get into some plugs then. Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's. Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-T-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast. The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right. It's your podcast. Every month... Podkiss crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulik, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes, or wherever 
you download your podcast. All right. Uh, Ian, I got a guest for next week. Oh, shit. You lined somebody up? I lined But unlike you, this one's actually going to happen. Well, okay. Well, I mean, you under, I work real hard. Just sometimes it doesn't pan out. Next week, the great rock star genius, Pete Townsend. Oh. Is going to be here to review Gary Glitter's greatest hits. Oh, not on my computer. <laughs> That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Boy, oh boy. You like that one? Or, or boy on boy. <laughs> <laughs> Rough boys uh, running the street. <laughs> I want to kiss you. <laughs> That's where the down boys go. Yeah. <laughs>